Blockchain, where we're at right now, no one has come up with a simple way to make it so it's understandable. And that's probably one of our biggest issues because everyone thinks it's cryptocurrency and it's not. It's a component. And I'm just wondering, how do we get around that? How do we start really having better marketing? Why has the industry failed at marketing blockchain, specifically the message? What has happened here? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Encrypto Podcast. My name is Ahmed Belari, and thank you so much for joining us today. We have a special episode for you guys because we are joined by the Future Blockchain Summit team, where recently they recorded their digital keynote, which is part of the Future Blockchain Series program. And we're super excited to actually include this in our podcast today. And before we go into it, I want to introduce the director at the Dubai World Trade Center, Nisha who's also overseeing the Future Blockchain Summit. Say hello. Hey, Ahmed. Thank you for having me. Of course. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. I'm here in Dubai and waiting for things to open up and approaching Eid soon. So yeah, looking forward to it. Likewise. You guys are very much used to creating in-person events. This is probably the first time you had to really transition due to the pandemic. How did that go? What was the experience like going from in-person to digital webinars? Yeah, I mean, it was, it's been a very interesting transition because, as you know, the Future Blockchain Summit is the world's largest blockchain festival. So we get normally when we don't have health crises or serious issues, we normally get over 10,000 people attending. And these people are attending from over 100 countries all over the world. So you can imagine the kind of pivoting it requires to now start providing qualitative information and the connections, but in the digital world. So I think organizations all over the world are grasping and pivoting and moving digital, and we're no different. The only difference is that we're very forward-facing in the sense people are looking for us to get content and to make connections. So it's been an interesting transition. This episode that you guys will hear now is actually the first of the Future Blockchain Summit virtual digital keynote series. And the virtual initiative complements the live event. So everything we're doing at Dubai World Trade Center is to complement the live events and make sure we're continuing to provide information to the ecosystem and making sure that we're able to also fill the gap. So there's lots of little interesting niche issues that are starting to develop because of the pandemic. And we're trying to make sure we're filling the gap through the virtual initiatives we're creating. So this particular one, was fascinating because we started at quite a broad level because it's the first and we actually had over a thousand attendees participate in digital keynotes from over 50 countries and that was really interesting and representative of the panel itself because the four panelists which you will hear were actually from four different countries four different time zones and talking about blockchain technology which they're passionate about so it's been a very interesting experience i think we have a long way to go but we're moving as quickly as possible Great. And before I go to Ken, what were the main key takeaways from this panel? The first is that blockchain innovation needs to be driven by both the government and the private sector. And there's been a lot of concerns raised about the fact that the innovation is happening in silos. So government kind of working on its own and private sector and startups innovating in a different way and at a possibly more rapid pace. But what needs to happen for blockchain to be adopted more aggressively is for these two segments to start working together. The second is actual serious adoption after pilot projects and demos. So 
Moving from an actual promising demo and a pilot project to going live has been seen as a serious concern across the board, not only amongst the panelists, but also amongst the audience when we were polling and analyzing what issues they were facing. And the third is that people still don't understand what blockchain technology is. And it's very hard to explain in one sentence what blockchain technology is. And hence, it's got a marketing issue. It's got a kind of a buzzword marketing issue, which I think as an industry, we need to start educating the general population on what it is, what are the benefits. People don't need to understand the back end and the coding, of course not. But I think just what benefits can it offer, not overcomplicating it, simplifying it and communicating that effectively. So these are the three kind of high level outcomes. But of course, you'll hear more from the panelists. Great. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Ahmed. And we also have Ken Ritalski. Hopefully I said your surname properly. How are you doing? You can say it any way you want. I'm in Los Angeles. Things are incredible here in LA because it's just always a nice day. Incredible. Awesome to hear. So Ken here was the moderator of the digital keynote, which you will hear in a bit. And Ken, could you quickly introduce yourself and also give sort of the high level points for what people will be hearing on today's podcast? So I've been in the blockchain space and crypto space almost since its inception back in, let's say, 2008. I had rig systems back then. Been mining, but of course, as things have gone more towards the blockchain space, we've really paid attention to where these new technologies are coming out. And on this panel, which was very diverse, we had somebody from the UK, Sweden, and China. We really dove into almost where the biggest problems are, and that is marketing. And that is, do people really know what blockchain is all about? So we touched upon that plus a lot more. Great. Well, I'm super excited and hope everyone who's tuning in enjoys the show. Thanks a lot. Hi there, everyone. My name is Ken Rakowski, and we are doing a little behind the stage where you get to meet us being the panelists on a personal level. We, of course, are here to have some fun today and really dive into what's going on with blockchain. This is the first digital keynote where we're diving into what's going on with the future of blockchain. This is the summit, and this is just an adjunct to the big event that we'll be doing later on this year in Dubai. And I'm excited to introduce who we're spending some time with, Ben, who is with us. Ben is based in the UK. Ben, where are you exactly? I'm just outside Cambridge, very flat part of the world. Oh, it's very flat, very flat and good weather because lovely it's a good time right now. It's lovely and sunny. And then David, who is another one of our pals, is in Sweden. <laughs> David, tell us a little about where you're based. I'm based on the west coast of Sweden, so kind of close to Cambridge. It's the second biggest city <laughs> in Sweden. Göteborg, <laughs> Gothenburg. The time is in the afternoon, later on yeah. afternoon. And Tony, what time is it for you? And what part of China are you in, Tony? I'm in the city of Hangzhou, which is the popular birthplace of Alibaba. Oh, wow. Yeah, matter of fact, later on, we're going to give some statistics with the organization company that you're with. It's mind-blowing on what you're doing when it comes to the type of funds that you guys manage. What time is it for you? It's 7.55 p.m. So I'm in Los Angeles, and right now it is 5 minutes to 5 a.m., so we all get to experience different time zones Literally all the time zones are taking place here right now. So when we're using Zoom, Zoom's a great tool for all of you that are out there right now because you're going to be able to ask us questions. We'll be doing polls as time goes on, and we're going to dive deep into what's going on with blockchain. And I want you to understand when we say blockchain, this is 
the whole blockchain space we're going after. We're not really micro-niching in anything specific. We want to be more generalized on this summit. Later, we're going to go more specific. We'll dive deep into what's going on blockchain. Very, very important. So this is going to be a good one because I'm going to keep our panelists, I would say, at a level to where we can all understand what's happening. Because I know they could go very, very deep and they could really take us to a level to where we'll know their expertise. But I know many of you out there probably don't want to go that deep. But you can. Your questions will allow us to take you there, okay? So I want to make sure all of you will have that opportunity. Hey, David, you're working for the government in Sweden. Does the government take a conservative approach to blockchain or are you more or less taking more of a a liberal approach? Liberal approach, I guess. I mean, we're looking at it from many different angles. In Sweden, the government structure is that where I work at the ministries, we do everything that has to do with laws and financing for the state and also give assignments to the agencies while the agencies are actually performing the work, so to speak. But we have a lot of agencies that has been doing some experiments. We also have a live running blockchain at the Agency for Public Employment. And of course, the central bank is also really investigating how to have a digital krona, the krona, so liberal. And Ben, what is your background to get you into this place? Did you go to school right there near Cambridge? I did, yeah. Once upon a time, many years ago, I was a quantum mechanic. That isn't particularly relevant to this space. But I guess I've been involved in the tech startup scene around Cambridge for longer than I'd care to disclose in public, I think. And I think coming from our perspective at the United Nations, it's been something that's really on the radar in terms of coordination. I think it's the global aspect of blockchain that's really put it on people's radar to start experimenting and trying to understand. We're not great at moving fast, so it's really exciting to be involved in the scene that is. What do you you mean you're not great at moving fast? It may be a surprise to discover that global bureaucracies are bureaucratic. Got it. Got it. And that's why places like China are moving fast and they might be breaking things along the way but they're taking gigantic hurdles over everybody else. Isn't that correct, Tony? Yes, I think so. I think, I think we'll see a lot of new developments in finance and in blockchain these days in China. Yeah. So we're going to be starting the summit in a few minutes. I'm going to ask all the panelists, can you guys do me a favor and make sure your WhatsApp is either turned off or you turn off the alerts because we're hearing somebody being extremely popular and you do not need to show off with your WhatsApp telling you how popular you are. So change the, the sound on that. So please do that. We're going to be starting in a minute. This is an exciting time because this whole conference that will be taking place later on this year in Dubai is all around the future of, when we say blockchain, it's really the internet. And we'll touch upon that. But understand that this is today's technology. This is such an important technology because it really allows us to know what's happening because of the trackability. And when we say trackability, well, you know that if you're in the blockchain space, which we're going to take some polls a little later on to find out what level you are in the blockchain, you realize that this is the next iteration of the internet called Internet 4.0. I don't know. What do you call it, David? Do you think it's because, you know, Web 1.0, Web 2.0, 3.0, which, by the way, Eric Schmidt from Google said, I invented Web 3.0, type it in. But is this the Internet 4.0? What do you think it is, David? I think it's too early to say. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, it took it took like 15 years, something like that, to be sure that it actually actually was a thing. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it's too early. I mean, there are a lot of promises still with blockchain, but uh, we do see that it's really hard to get implementation there. So what would you say it is? Tony, if you look at the Internet where it is today, where do you think blockchain is? Is it like Web 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, or is it just a brand new classification of what the Internet is? 
I think I agree with David. We're in very early stage of the blockchain world. If I can quote, I can't remember where this quote came from, but I think humans are always very optimistic about the near term and very pessimistic about the, the long term. And uh, in reality, it's almost always the other way around. You know, it's, you know, take off very slowly, but I have a profound impact long term that we don't see. So I think that's where we are at, at the moment. Well, like I said, this is backstage. We're going to start in about a minute. And when we start, you'll meet our panelists a little deeper. I want to make sure you understand that everything on this Zoom call is accessible to you. We're going to be doing polls. If you have any questions, you'll be able to use the Q&A. Or if you want to put inside the chat, we have a whole team that's watching what's going on. This is your event, everyone out there. This is your event, meaning ask the questions. Use these experts as your resource to find out what's going on. And they're yours. So for the next hour, we'll be sharing time and diving deep on what's going on with blockchain as of today, because it's a very interesting time. COVID has definitely changed the playing field. So let, let's get going. Shall we start the countdown and shall we dive in and begin this event? Let's start the countdown. Let's get going. I want to make sure you all know this is a very exciting time because this whole 2020 digital keynote series is being brought to you here digitally, but the big event, which we'll be doing in Dubai, will be happening later on this year. This whole COVID thing has changed the landscape of where things are going. So as we look at what happens in the blockchain space, it has, in my mind, has hyperspeed. We're going at a different level. We need to get this initiative going. We need to see blockchain being accepted and utilized around the planet. And we'll go into this. I'll introduce the panelists a little later on. But I want to make sure you understand that Dubai is taking a very, very assertive lead to making sure that blockchain is used and accepted. If we can, let's do a poll real quick, which will be, has your business implemented blockchain? Have you implemented it in your business? And that's what our first question to our panelists is. I want to go back because I'm the oldest one here. I just celebrated my 54th birthday a couple of days ago. And so I'm old. And being old, I got to do a lot when the internet just came out. In 1996, I did something called Internet World in Santa Clara, California. And Mark Cuban was one of my assistants. Think about that. The billionaire Mark Cuban was working for me. And I remember that Internet World had everything from communication to medicine to what would be called micropayments. Back then, it wasn't even called e-commerce. But Internet World was everything. And because it was everything, it was hard to really understand what was going on because nothing was segmented. So let's talk about this. As we're moving forward, and I want to go to Ben real quick, how would you describe blockchain? And I hate to take something that should be so mundane and easy, but the internet was so easy to explain, but it really wasn't. How would you explain blockchain? Are we talking about where it is at the minute? I think it's really- Explain it to me. Pretend, pretend I'm your dad, which I'm probably the age of your father. How would you explain blockchain to me? I'm not sure my dad even understands what a database is, let alone a distributed one. So I think at the minute, it is effectively a way of generating consensus, which is the key thing we keep talking about. But it's totally up in the air as to what consensus we're doing. So in terms of when we talk about currency, it's getting an agreement on who owns what, who's given what to whom, where I'm interested in looking at the supply chain and trade flows. It's a question of being able ben, to ben, 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 ben. If I was your father, you would have just lost me. Tony, please pretend <laughs> you are going to explain blockchain to me. How would you explain it? 
Because I come from a consortium world with enterprise applications blockchain. So, so what I would say is it's, it's a new way for companies or organizations to work together, whether it's sharing data or collaborating with data. And you can do a lot of things with that shared data and new way of collaboration. One of them is to provide provide finance. You know, for example, you can you can use the data being circulated to provide finance with more trust. Tony, would your dad understand that? I hope so. <laughs> David, I'm going to go to you. Make it easy. Come on, keep it simple. Kiss okay. principle. Yeah. So normally, an organization would have a centralized database, which means they gather all the information and say this is the correct information. Blockchain would be the opposite to that. So the, there are many number of organizations that share the same information at the same time, and thereby they can all agree that this is the correct information. This also makes it possible to create what we can call uniqueness in a digital world. So you can have a unique dollar, for example, which represents like the physical world. David, no, come on. Your dad would not have understood it. Isn't it just simple? It's a global database that you can't change. You can only add to. And it's completely, in most cases, transparent to everybody. I mean, it's it's really, a, it's a database, guys. We're looking at a global database that, what, you, you're giving me a look, Ben. Yeah, my dad still doesn't know what a database is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I think one of hey, the key just pieces did... is the lack of the teacher when I explain it to kids or try and explain to my children. When you talk about the agreement, it is that lack of somebody controlling and centralizing it. It's a way for them to agree on some truth. So, by the way, the last poll we just asked them is, have you implemented blockchain? And 43% say no, but I'm investigating the possibilities. I think one of our biggest problems is we have not really created the message properly. So the message email at one point in time, I'm not kidding, guys, in the 90s, again, since I'm old, was really hard to understand. People go, what are you talking about? And now email, everyone knows what that is, or instant messaging. Blockchain, where we're at right now, no one has come up with a simple way to make it so it's understandable. And that's probably one of our biggest issues, because everyone thinks it's cryptocurrency, and it's not. It's a component. And I'm just wondering, how do we get around that? How do we start really having better marketing? Go ahead, Ben. I see you're ready. You're leaning in. You have a solution. <laughs> what is it? No, no. I mean, I think the difficulty is the applications, that the maths is fantastic. As an ex-mathematician, I love the maths of blockchain. I think it's a really elegant, powerful solution. But I'm in a minority of one by the looks of the other faces in this panel. <laughs> uh, but the interest is the application. And you've got to well, get the people in application. Email all the people that are using because I could chat to my friends at other universities. I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge you on something real quick, and that is I have not, and maybe you guys can tell us, maybe David, Tony, you've seen this, Ben. Where has blockchain become revolutionary? Not evolutionary, because if you look at evolutionary, you know, that's Windows 95, Windows 2000. I mean, there's a succession where revolutionary was the iPhone. Where do we see blockchain being revolutionary? That's what I want to know. Tony, have you seen revolutionary, not evolutionary? The cryptocurrencies are, are pretty interesting. But from the enterprise world, the consortium world, I think there's one thing that we did was was pretty good. I'm not sure if it's revolutionary, is that we've built this cross-border payment corridor that's that's real time. It's it's completely free and only takes three seconds for the fund to arrive. I mean, it's, it's still old money arriving. And in that part, is not revolutionary, but 
being real time and free. I think that does rock the, the traditional financial world a little bit. Okay. Okay. Another poll is this. How are you using blockchain in your organization? So many of you are investigating it, but how are you implementing it? So let's launch that poll and let's get a sample of this. We have a lot of questions that are popping up and I could see this in the chat. Please doing this. Please continue doing it. People are saying what's revolutionary is logistics, is transparency and trust. I, I still think everyone that this is evolutionary, not revolutionary. And I, I really want to challenge that because I think right now in the world, we're looking for revolutionary. We're looking for the next iPhone. We're looking at something to back because the internet hasn't had anything that's revolutionary in a long time. I would say Slack may have been revolutionary. I would say instant messaging was revolutionary, not just evolutionary. So I'm waiting for that because I think that's where more adoption is going to take place. Our poll numbers are coming out right now if you want to share those. And it shows that about 30% say we are looking at implementing blockchain. Again, people are kind of staying passive. They're sitting in the back waiting to jump in. David, give me a reason why I need to blockchain right now. Give me a reason. Yeah, I'm not sure that you do. I mean, it depends really. And I think one of your questions here is, do I need to understand how internet works to use email? I pretty much don't. Email is a service based on like an, an foundational infrastructure. And I think the blockchain can serve that purpose in many ways. For instance, I don't need to know that that I can view the supply chain in, in real time as a normal person. I also need to know that I can trust the information that comes out of it. So if people, organizations, governments say that this is a good way to, to ensure information, then I guess that's something in there. But I, I think it's too early to say really if we're going to find something revolutionary here. I can Real say quick, John Hancock is saying, David, I'm looking at the chat. Let's see, it was, oh man, the names are flying through. It says, Ben is speaking the truth. Good job on that. I'm sorry about that. I mean, David speaking the truth. Ben, what were we going to say? I was going to say that I'm old enough to remember that back in the day, you did have to know how email worked. And I think that's where we are with blockchain. I used to set up and run email servers for myself, for companies, for organizations, every new project. That was part of the startup. Let's do this. I want to first tell everyone that we've had over a thousand attendees on this. It's very exciting to see these numbers. I also want to remind everyone that this digital series, what we're doing is adjunct to the big event that we'll be doing before the end of the year. So this is just a component of the Future Blockchain Summit that's taking place in Dubai later on this year. If you have a question, please put it inside the Q&A, which is on the bottom. And I'm going to read different questions that are out there. Here's one. Do we have any use cases for blockchain on the cloud in the financial industry? I'm going to go to Tony in finance. Tell me about where you see use cases when it comes to blockchain in the financial space. Yes, Ken. So, so with Ana Financial, we do have a few use cases with finance. We'll briefly mention a couple. One is we do have a supply chain finance application that we, we build this platform and large enterprises can put their supply chain onto our blockchain. And in that way, all their suppliers will have a record on the blockchain of what they have supplied to the larger enterprise. And because many of the suppliers are, in fact, small, medium-sized enterprises, it's hard for them to get finance. And now with the blockchain and this receivable in hand, and the banks can come onto this platform and see this registered on blockchain receivable they have in the hand and say, okay, it's real. They will know who owes who, how much and what and when. And then the banks can make a financing decision based on this. So that's one. Another one is that we're doing a cross-border trade finance platform. 
that we're bringing banks from China and banks from overseas onto the platform. And we're going to have the buyer and the seller trading on the platform. And with all the logistics, the purchase order, the customs data on this platform to support, again, the bank's financing decisions. And if I can briefly mention the last one, we will build this invoice management with the hospitals and the insurance companies. So when the, when the patients pay for hospital services, and the hospital will issue an invoice on the blockchain to the consumer. And with one click, the consumer can post that to the insurance company for claims processing. And because it's on the blockchain, it's unique and traceable. And you know, claim decisions will be made on that. Let's do another poll, benefits of blockchain. Let's launch that poll. I want to go to David's very simple benefits of blockchain. And I apologize, everyone out there, if you're very, very deep in this space and you get it, and these are very basic questions, maybe for you, but I'm going to, again, specify that it isn't for the masses. And this is where the adoption point has not jumped as fast as we hoped. But this is where I think these polls help out too. David, the benefit. I mean, it, it depends really on what, what you're doing. If we take the land registry example where I, where I work, we saw that some of the benefits were it's more resilient than, than other structures. It gives more transparency and it lowers some transaction costs. So maybe the total process of a real estate purchase from the buying and selling to the registration would be like 1% cheaper for society. But if you scale that, that's a lot of money. That's the evolutionary part of it, right? It's interesting. We're looking at our polls right now and what people are saying, 39% are saying security, trust, and risk reduction is what they're saying. That's the number one. And then improving efficiency and saving time. So let me go now probably to the hardest of all these questions. And I think I've identified it. And I think you have too. And that is, why has the industry failed at marketing blockchain, specifically the message why has the industry failed? And I'm going to ask Mr. Mustache, Ben, Ben, what has happened here? Is it because it's all techies and no marketing people that are in the industry? There's a degree of that. I think it is a technical solution. I think to some extent it has succeeded in the sense that everybody knows they need to put blockchain in the title of their talks or in their presentations or in their strategy. Whenever you see a country bringing out a digital strategy, it has to have a blockchain component in it. Where it has struggled is taking these promising prototypes and actually turning them into something that's usable every day and has that really clear value proposition. And it only takes a couple of winners on that to catalyze everything else. I think great demos only take you so far. <laughs> great demos do take you so far, right? <laughs> every one of us are either coming out of the COVID time or we're already out of it. And I'm wondering, Tony, has any of your initiative changed in the blockchain space because of COVID-19? Overall, all business development efforts have been paused for the past few months, although it's, it's already started uh, in April. I see you know, lots, lots of new demand actually looking for blockchain. One thing I want to mention is the Chinese government did announce some new plans, this so-called new infrastructure with 5G, blockchain, AI, cloud, and all that. So the government is encouraging all these industries to grow, partially because of COVID-19. So, so we, we do see a gentle push from the government on that. Ben, is there an alternative to blockchain? Yeah, I mean, it's what we're doing at the minute. This is one of the things people always forget when they talk about who your competitors are. People are doing, solving the problem you're trying to solve somehow. And at the minute, that's with centralized databases. That's the competition. That is the alternative. 
That's it, centralized databases. And I'm wondering, David, as we watch this thing called quantum supremacy, we know that Google, IBM has a quantum simulator that's being used by Microsoft and Google because they claim that they've reached quantum supremacy. Should we worry about anything in the blockchain space being cracked by quantum? Yeah, I mean, probably Ben is the right person here, but as far as I can understand it, everything is going to be cracked by quantum in time. So probably, yeah, but then again, we probably could upgrade the defense mechanisms also. Just back to a previous question that you said, and you said that the blockchain has kind of failed or that the... Marketing. Marketing. Marketing has failed. Marketing. Yeah, maybe marketing, but not so much. I think two years ago, I was kind of negative on the outlook because I saw a lot of demos and no one's doing anything. But now I think that there are a lot of things happening. In the EU, we have the European Blockchain Service Infrastructure, which is, is, is running now. So most countries has a node, so it, it works. It's still in a test environment, but it works. Swedish Central Bank has the blockchain pilot now doing the Ikrona. So it's there, but it's happening under the hood. And I think that's one part of blockchain. It, it's hard to understand for most people. And I don't think when we're going to see the applications, we're not going to think of them as a blockchain application. I like how you said Ben's the one who could answer it, but you certainly did. Ben, do you agree with what David said? Yeah, I do to some extent. As we know with securing blockchains, it's a question of resources in most cases. And I think the quantum supremacy will tip the balance of those resources, but there's nothing to say that by increasing the size of your keys, the different proof of works, that you can't keep up to date with it in some sense. And I did a PhD in quantum computing 20 years ago and have been expecting it to be just around the corner every year since. So maybe next year. Maybe next year. <laughs> I mean, I don't think there's even a good operating system yet for on quantum side. I'm going to ask this question to Tony, but I'm also going to do a poll at the same time. What do you think the most significant use case for blockchain will be within the next five years? Can you help us out with that, Tony? Over the next five years, kind of project, what will be the next big use cases? I think I will mention a few that I think will be pretty big in the next five years. I think finance will be definitely one, and specifically supply chain and trade finance, because there are many, many parties involved in the process, and there's a lack of trust and transparency. And the processes of supply chain finance and trade finance are very still paper-based and manual. Unlike many other aspects of finance have been digitized. I think that's one. And also in terms of public service, central bank digital currency, I do think that will be one of the biggest for the next few years. I think you've heard of China has, has plans and many other countries do have plans around that. And I guess the last thing I will mention is in terms of retail or, or supply chain, it's the traceability of things with, with a combination of IoT and other, other sorts of technologies combined. I think that will, will revolutionize the retail world, and Alibaba is certainly interested in that. The last thing is the work with data. How organizations cooperate with, you know, collaborate with data will be revolutionized in the next few years as well, because many, many regulations prohibit organizations share data, and we do see new ways that blockchain will change that. You looked at our poll, I guess, because it looks like the audience says the same thing. It came out to be a tie at 23, 23, 23%. And it is trade and cross-border transactions and payments, supply chain, transparency, and digital currency. Tony, did you buy any Bitcoin? Yeah, I used to used to have some Bitcoin, yes. You used to have some Bitcoin. Okay. David, you got some Bitcoin? 
No. Ben with that mustache, you must have tons of it. Come on, Ben. Do you got some no, Bitcoin? No. No. All right. Uh, you should. The happening's happening tomorrow. You should be ready to go on that. So, guys, as we look at where we're at today, right now, if we move forward, who's going to take the bigger initiative to really implement blockchain? Will it be the corporate space or will it be the government space? Ben, what do you think? I think probably the corporate space, to be honest. I think in terms of, certainly in my piece, in terms of the supply chain, we're seeing it in the minute in sort of high value commodities and the value through the whole supply chain as a multinational piece is more suited in a lot of ways to companies rather than governments. And I'm looking at the chat, people are saying it should be government, it should be government. And David, you're a government entity. What do you think? Is it going to be government that's going to really accelerate the implementation or is it going to be corporate? I think it's going to be both. That's one thing with blockchain. I mean, it helps when you're more involved. And as far as what I can see in Europe, we, we do see that there's a great involvement between private and public. So all the good initiatives that has actually become anything, it comes from private and public corporations. I feel the same thing, Tony. Is it going to be, is it going to be government or private? I think in China, the government will be one of the largest buyers of blockchain solutions. Some questions that are popping up. Nasir says one of the main issues is regulators being worried of blockchain in general. What do you think about that and how can we overcome that? So it's more of being awkward or uncomfortable about it. Thank you, Nasir. What do you think, Ben? I think David should answer this. Like I got the uh, <laughs> yeah, but David <laughs> answered. He even said, even though he said you should answer it. David, what yeah, do you think? They need to learn the maths. Like they need to learn the health. Yeah, I, we can get people like Ben to tell us the math, and then we write the laws, right? I think a lot of governments now have blockchain strategies. They are aware of it, the technique and what what can be done with it. It's just a matter of time. Let's do another quick poll, and that is since we're talking about there will be a transformation in the next five years. What sector do you think will be the biggest user of blockchain in the next five years? Five years is far, far out, but let's use this as a good poll to see what you think. Let's launch that poll and get an idea where we're at, okay? And by the way, everyone that's sitting here wondering what we're doing, we're doing this as often as possible where we're sitting down with you virtually and utilizing Zoom to bring in the panelists and the people that will be participating in our in-person events before the end of the year in Dubai. Okay, so don't think this is just virtual. This is an adjunct. This is in addiction to the giant, huge event, which is awesome to go to. It's one of my favorite in the whole world that we'll be doing before the end of the year. Our poll numbers are out. I'm comfortable to say what sector. And it looks like it's almost a near tie between government, public sector, and finance. I believe in the finance side a lot. Matter of fact, I like to see it in finance. Tony, since that's all you do is really work in finance, $150 billion, that's what you're working under. How much of your company has moved into blockchain? Have you implemented across the board or are you just doing small segments of the company in blockchain? Thanks, Ken. At Financial, we develop this blockchain platform and we offer this to our enterprise clients. So that's one part of business. And the other part of the internet finance business, you know, payments, wealth management, insurance, credit, and all that, those are not on the blockchain yet. One of the reasons is that we don't see blockchains supporting the large volume of transactions that Alipay has to process every day or every second for that matter. That's one reason. And the other reason is it's a really collaborative effort to use blockchain. And now everything we have, not only at our organization, but across the board in finance, is centralized systems. And we need a way to figure out how to change things. 
What I'd like to do is this, guys, each one of you, I want to give you like 30 seconds. I want to peek into the future. By the way, thank you guys for being part of this. It's really, really important for us to have this constant dialogue. I want you to project one year in the future, just one year, not far. And tell me what do you see in 30 seconds where blockchain will be affecting our lives, our businesses, or our governments. Project yourself one year in the future. Let me go with David first. In one year, I think the European blockchain service infrastructure will be running even more, and that will help transactions within Europe. So it will ensure a lot of the data that we do see cross-border. Today, we are all centralized in our country, so that will be something. Awesome. Tony, one year in the future. From our perspective, in the future, three industries will be very different. One is finance. Uh, we do see a lot of different applications in that. Well, the other one is government, public services, like Dubai. We, we think China will be moving that towards that direction. And third is retail. And that will change a lot of how marketing is done, how traceability is done. And of course, Mustache Ben, what do you got? Yeah, I think from a supply chain traceability and picking up on Tony's comments on retail, I think trying to see one of these current prototypes that actually makes it into something that my dad has heard of would be a decent goal yes. over the first year. And I think from my perspective, it's tying the digital to the physical so that when somebody claims they produce something and records it on a ledger, I can trust that. I think you said the first and most important that is let's get it so our parents or we call it KIDMA, Kid and Grandma Proof, where they both understand what blockchain is. I want to thank Ben, Tony, and David for being part of this panel. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for sharing your knowledge and wisdom with us. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.